Hey you, don't do that, do this. My name's Bob Gordon, welcome to Hibernation, a podcast about how people are getting on with life and being creative during this isolation period known as COVID-19. I'm joined by acclaimed Australian film and television director Dana Reid. Dana, how you doing? I'm well, Bob, how are you going? I'm good. It's nice and sunny in Perth. How's it over there no, in Melbourne? it's not here, no, it's rubbish. <laughs> but, um, it has been nice, and it's the usual Melbourne thing that it's rubbish, but um, it has been good, but we've all been inside, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, four seasons in one day. Now, you've exactly. kicked, kicked loads of goals in, in recent times with The uh, Handmaid's Tale and Space Force that we'll go into a bit later, but just in the last week, uh, you landed a worldwide syndication deal for Run Rabbit Run. Um, congrats. Thank you. It was very exciting. Um, you know, movies are, you know, they take a long time to get going, so that was just a fantastic development for us. That's excellent. And, I mean, you've had a fair bit of international activity in your work history. Um, do you still sort of have those sort of pinch-me moments? Oh, constantly. I mean, it, it, it hasn't really been that long that I've been working at, you know, away from Australia. Uh, so, you know, the good ones are when you're walking down the street and you kind of look up and you realise you're in Gilead. That's always fun. Mm. Yeah, that's That would be. And also, I guess it's just nice to know, you know, you've got some work lined up. Look, and then we, you can always go when, though. It is that interesting thing of everyone's kind of holding their breath at the moment going, it's great that it's, I mean, the whole the whole industry is, is developing and even, you know, like, here in uh, Screen Australia, is throwing money at productions to, you know, to start their pre-production so that when this, when we get an idea of how go forward, we can all just start. Exactly. That's right. It doesn't seem a lot to ask for. Um, and so, how how is Melbourne? Because in Perth, it's pretty cheery, and you know they're just about you know on the verge of planning, you know, all singing, all dancing, fun runs in the streets uh, if we wanted to. Not not quite yet, but it's feeling that way. But but Melbourne, you know, just you know, seeing the news, just it just sounds very scary. Things have gone over here have gone quite well, and but you you feel 
like saying to people who seem to think that it's all over that like look you don't want it to slip and then have restrictions enforced again i mean how does that feel when they're lifted and then they're they're put back on you because that's what everyone here was fearing sort of came down for us in Australia in, in March how did it affect you in terms of family and work and I'm just getting your head around it and then also you know you have to reassure your kids and but you, you, you don't know what yourself what it brings no because I was shooting The Handmaid's Tale in Toronto when it happened right. um, and you know you were kind of hearing the news that this was happening and I just happened to be on the phone to Yvonne Strahovski another frightening bit wasn't it and and literally you can't you don't know what next week looks like that's a very strange feeling And, and of course creatives have to spend a lot of time in their own company kind of um, getting yeah. getting their uh, art together are you good with isolation do you think do you think um, people in the real world <laughs> um, could learn something from creative types about you know taking a, a, a bit a hit of isolation now and then Yeah, we kind of do it. We just have to kind of be 
Yeah, sounds more fun than homeschooling. Oh, it totally was. <laughs> One of the things uh, that, that people have flocked to at home while they're on their couch is in this whole thing is, of course, Netflix. And one of the must-watch series on Netflix has been Space Force, of which you have been um, a big part of. And you, you you directed several episodes? I did the last two. So, yeah, the last two episodes of 10. So, um, and I've, I've worked for uh, Glenn Daniels. I did his uh, Amazon series Upload. Okay. Um, and so I did his best final two episodes of that one for him. So he's the chap who did the American office. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it was really great to get to work with his team again on, on Space Force, which was, I mean, it was so much fun to do. And, yeah, I was, I was just glad that it kind of has found its audience. Yeah, it really has. It really has. What's it like, obviously, The Hands Made Tale 2, when you come in... Well, in this case, there's been eight episodes made and you come in to direct the last two and where you're at with your awareness of, of how the series and how the other directors have done things and, and how much you bring comfortably to it. I guess you, you have to you work out your relationship with... Um, well, the American has a showrunner, like a person that creates it and might just kind of has, holds the the world view of that show. So mm. you, you spend a lot of time with that person and get a gauge of how they like to work. So basically on, on Handmaid's Tale, they really don't do it like the rest of the American system kind of works. They let you run your own show. Oh, yeah, yeah you, ask, you ask questions and you, you've got questions that are scripted and they kind of let you do your thing. Whereas a lot of other shows, you have to kind of always you know, look over your shoulder and check with that showrunner before you move on to another take or you know, it, it can be very much at that kind of level of control and Space Force was really interesting because when I did the first series with Greg Daniels he was really kind of all over it and you know really there all the time and on Space Force he hardly was at all so it was kind of weird I was just so used to working with him really closely in the first series and then kind of had a little bit Say with someone like Steve Carell, uh, who is infamous for a, a lot of roles and, and for his work, how much do you, with expectations of what it's going to be like to work with someone who's that well known or you know their work that well, um, yeah, how much room do you leave to be surprised or, you know, not not to count on your uh, presumptions uh, too much? I mean, I was really quite nervous It's, it's, it's 
lovely to have that little bit earlier. So I got to have a meeting with John Malkovich before we started shooting, and I think that helped so much. Yeah. We went forward in it um, just to sit down and kind of just get an idea of how that person likes to work because you, you, you're coming into a, a, a set-up show. You're coming into how they, they know their characters. They've worked out how they want to do it. So really, it's like an information gathering session for me to go, okay, I like to work like this. How do you like to work? And so when you've got that little shorthand, so when you haven't you've had it any time ever, when you're on the floor, um, you're not having those discussions. You've already had it. So it, it took a little bit longer to kind of find, because Steve Carell has a really, a, a different way of working. He comes from uh, Second City in, uh, in Chicago, School of Thinking. And right. so just getting into his work headspace took, yeah, just, I mean, it took, took a bit longer, but it was fantastic once I got there. And it must be amazing to watch, yeah, you, as you say, someone like Steve Carell and the, the Second City uh, history and background, then working with someone like John Malkovich, uh, who yes. deep and wide. Well, he's, a, he's a bit more like, you know, I, mean, I, I was fortunate enough to go to Whopper, and you learn that, you know, you get classically trained, you learn that real theatre way of working, and he was very much like that. So... Yeah, so Space Force has been like a like a real audience favourite, and like online, like people have expressed that they love it. But I've just sort of reading things. It just seems like some critics couldn't get seem to get past comparing it to The Office because obviously Steve Carell. Yeah, it's such an interesting reaction. Uh, look, it's, yeah, for, for me, it was, I hardly ever promote the things I do on social media, but I I did with that one because I felt. So where do, you, where do you stand on that these days when, and, and you know these days obviously with social media, you know, the audience loves it, but there's, you know, critics are being really nitpicky. And, and, and in terms of like when you do good work and you obviously you want it to want it to be liked, this was universally loved as a, as a series and universally kind of picked at. Oh, really? You don't get that? You can't see that it's a 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, it, it was so intriguing that Craig Davis had gone and created this character who was the good Republican. You know, that, that person who is lost because they find themselves in this mad place. So, yeah, Steve Crow is, you know, is, is, is old-fashioned in that way. And he's trying to work out who he is. And then you've got, you know, the, the usual, what you would say is the Democrat person, the scientist, you know, John Malkovich's character, and, and this strange forging of a friendship and trying to find common ground in in a crazy world. I loved that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I never read that in any of those uh, critiques of it. I went, But it also, I guess, it must be nice to kind of get that kind of uh, knowledge of the of the popular reaction to it these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I mean I do think that Steve Crow is so universally loved and rightly so. Like, yeah, he's got such a special quality about him, and I do think that relationship, that friendship with that he has with John Malkovich's character, is something we can all completely relate to and I have to say I've been watching so much more comedy during this time mm. you know, and, and I just think that's what people need people they they need that it's it's, it's tough at the moment so you know, we, we're just gravitating at, you know, at our place toward all that stuff and, and from that too like you said you were working in Toronto and The Handmaid's Tale which is a completely different universe to be involved in um, yeah what has um, uh, directing that how's it changed you or your career look I think it was I, I guess it kind of I mean firstly it was what it really did to my brain when you when you work here in Australia it's all about problem solving I mean being a, all, everything we all do is all about problem solving but because we're working with such a limited budget and time you can't get those all those big things to tell certain stories. So you're always going, how can I solve this? How can I solve that? How can I change that so I don't lose the integrity of the story but without what it, you know, with less money? And you're always doing that. And what work on Handmaid's Tale, that put my brain into a different place of going, okay, I can have all those things now. What does that do to my brain? So you, know, you, you can have all the equipment you want. You can think of any shot you want. And you, I mean, we get reason. They're not going to, you know, it's not a a, a never-ending thing. But it it changes the way you approach your creativity. You kind of, it, it, it's about you open up your brain rather than and shut it down and and problem solving it. Which I I still love doing that. There's something really rewarding about using your brain to do that to tell a story in the most frugal way possible. And so, but that was the other. Starting over there, just kind of did a, a bit of that. And but look, I've got to say, as far as the way I direct things in Australia, you know, the approach I took, it was pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it suits that show. You know, there's a there's, there was something really similar, especially in that first episode I did. It was very similar to all the stuff I've been doing in Australia. Anyway, that approach. Mm. Well, and it is as we know uh, harder and, and tougher here in Australia and there's which is exemplified recently by two things being the very belated arts industry rec- rescue package from the federal government the, the last in line as ever and also just in terms of 
and the sort of something that you, you shared on Facebook about you know paying for uh, an education in humanities. Uh, oh my god. Uh, yeah, just you know, paying with uh, you, you know, your bones and your teeth for it, basically. I mean, it just people will not do it. That's the, the, they just won't choose that. I remember. I mean, this is what I remember sitting at home when I got into acting school, and you know, and this is when university was didn't cost anything. And I remember my parents were appalled that I would ever choose to do something that was had such a lack of security that was going to give you such a way forward um, and to the point I said okay I won't do it and then they went to work and I kind of said to my sister oh I don't feel right about that choice and she said well what do you want to do and, and if you want go for what you want she said and I got the phone and because my parents had gone to work I said I will come thank you very much to drama school mm. and that's when it didn't cost anything it, that kind of choice you are being you are almost ruining your life <laughs> <laughs> Curtain and and Whopper, didn't you? And yes. I mean those places, you know, you obviously invaluable uh, experiences oh God, for I mean, you. I mean, I still stay in touch with the, the people who I went to Curtain with and did the film and television course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's DOPs in the US. There's people everywhere. That, that education filled the world with really excellent practitioners in our field. Uh, and it just makes me despair that we won't get those those people. You know, often you know, we, there's always a, you know, a couple of paths you could take at that point. I mean, for all of us, you know, I could be this, I could be that. And it just breaks my heart that people will make a safe choice because the hard thing about if you're going to make a humanities degree super expensive, well, it's going to be harder to pay off. And then you go, and how's my job prospects? <laughs> you know, if I'm going to be an actor or in, you know, uh, in a film crew or a director or whatever it is, um, you know, it, it seems like such a terrible, terribly short-sighted view to take. And mm. it's depressing. I don't and have an answer. I wish I did. When you finished at, at WAPA, what, what would you say were the, what maybe term your breakout opportunities because I know you starred in the Marigolds film clip for Waiting in Line <laughs> that... have you I'm desperate to find that film clip I just oh I'll send it to, I'll send it to you please do okay. um, so I, I, I follow I'm, uh, I'm obsessed with the Marigolds film clip Girls Gotta Eat? That's right. We yeah. came back to the art page and performed it and did really well. So that kind of kicked 
Marlon show after that. Yeah, from people seeing that show. And then I went on to, to do Full Frontal. And then when I kind of decided that I wanted to stop doing that and, you know, pick up when I, from where I left off doing film and television at uni, I made my own short film. So again, it's that thing of going, just making it happen for yourself, really. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same advice that I'll give to up-and-coming directors now because when I started directing, there were a lot of those television shows that went for 22 episodes a year. That was kind of the form. And so you could do attachments on those shows and I was lucky enough to get episodes on those shows on the um, show called Blue Healers. And that doesn't happen as much anymore. They're all six parts, four parts, ten. It's much more shorter run stuff. Mm. And, you know, and short films are the way to go. They are make your short film and, and you know, I mean, it's almost like a full-time job distributing your own short film once you've made it and getting it into all those festivals you've got to really go for it because you've kind of got this, your short film's got that year life of getting getting around but yeah that's kind of the advice I'm giving now because we don't have those long-running TV series at the moment yeah well this is two uh, of the sort of more the mini series that your director that I want to ask about and one was so it's in excess, never tear us apart, and how's that Kerry Packer's war? And I just want to ask, sort of, as a child of the seventies and eighties, what, what it was like to helm productions of like stories that played out culturally, you know, in, like in your childhood and then your teens and early twenties. Look, it was the in excess one in particular was in, incredible because I'd gone to the in excess concert in Perth, you know, in the eighties. Yeah. And. And, and had, you know, real formative kind of things. But even, like, there's a scene in the, in the first uh, part of Never Turns Apart where they're playing in Perth and they get, they pull the plug on them because they won't play covers. Now, oh, that's yeah. all we used to do is go and see cover bands yeah. all the time. So to be able to go, oh, I actually, was actually standing there in that, in that part of history when that was happening. And I went, I'm going to make this place that we're shooting look like the Fitzgerald Hotel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll do this because I'm going to make it as accurate as I can because I was actually standing there at the time, pretty much. Um, so, you know, so if I make this look like the back of Northbridge, then that'll that'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So that was a lot of fun to to get to do that on, on that one in particular. The, the 70s ones were, were fantastic because... I mean, I remember having that thought when I would watch the Come On or the Come On ad and, and, and go, oh, as a kid, would go, I feel like I've missed it. It feels like they're saying that something's already happened and it hasn't. And then I got to speak to the people who, you know, kind of came up with Come On or the Come On and they said, no, oh, no, we did that. We did it on purpose. We made it sound like it already had a history, even though it didn't, to get mm. people to come. And I went, and remembering that you had that thought as a child watching the ad, and you go, oh, I'm glad that you had that yeah, what a crazy full circle. Mm. Yeah. Do you miss acting? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I say this a lot. Look, what I loved about acting was breaking down the script into all the beats and moments. And, and I still get to do that. I still get to do that, but with another person. We break down the script into the beats and moments. You know, what I call the music of it. Because it is, it's like a symphony. either direct it and or perform it 
like the performance of a piece of music. Um, so that I still, I still get to do that, but with an actor, I'm just not having to do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'll never do it again. Good. All good with that. And so I guess to wrap up, just looking ahead, I, I saw that Run Rabbit Run was due to be shot in partly in Victoria, so that's problematic from the get-go, I guess. So from this point, how does the rest of the year look as far as you can surmise? Oh, look, it, it, it does look uncertain. I mean, I, uh, The Handmaid's Tale needs to start up again, and they really want to. So we're going to Well, enjoy the wait. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, we we did a, yeah. We also did a bit of a Keanu Reeves uh, film festival. Also, we did uh, the three John Wick films. We did Point Break. We did the Matrix films. Um, I think that's it. Oh wow. Speed. My husband just yelled out. Speed. We did Speed, which is unreal. Oh, excellent. There's so much yeah. to reconnect with or, or or connect with when when you're younger. So. Dana Reed, thanks for hibernating with me on Hibernation. <laughs> thanks for joining me on Hibernation. Until the next time, look after each other. We're worth it. Bye.